0: Today's Tuesday, June 25th, 2019, and this week on the Birdland MBS Podcast. We're talking Ravens offensive line with special guest Matt Skura joining the show. The Orioles make it official with their new cornerstone player. And are the Terps building an NBA squad? Stay tuned. So let's take it to the birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming first hand. Fred Scott and Ryan tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Boys, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're gonna listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's birdland BS.
1: BS, BS. You know I do it every week.
0: Party people! I'm excited for
1: this episode, man.
0: Fred, Scott, and Brian, man. It's episode 103 of the Birdland BS Podcast. We got a lot of things going on, including... The the center of attention. The center of attention in the episode title of itself. Our special guest, Raven Center, Matt Skura, man. Excited
1: to have him on the show. I'm excited to have him on. I think he's a a great... A great center for the Ravens. He's got a lot of of potential in him. I'm I'm excited to talk to him. We've got some. You and I have got some good questions lined up for him for this interview. Uh, Some good follow up questions. Some some little fun questions. I think too. I think the viewers will like some of the fun questions that you know we both kind of came up with. But I'm excited for this.
0: Yeah, for sure. If you guys want to try to get your questions in, make sure in the chat room and on all the social media platforms, use the hashtag, that's BLBS, and we'll try to kind of work them into the show as we can. Also, of course, we're not going to be just Ravens. The Orioles actually have some exciting news, man. They ended up (laughs) signing their, uh, their cornerstone. It's very exciting. Yeah, to a record deal. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And the Terps... Building an NBA team out in Atlanta? Seems to be that way. <laughs> it sure as heck feels
1: that way, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, as Bruno Fernando gets his dream come true, man. So we got a lot to talk about. But before we get into too much, want to remind you guys, if you're in the market to buy or sell a home and you want someone that's going to go to bat for you, call John Sheffernocker over at Cummings & Co. Realtors. Jerry's over at Redfin, a Redfin agent. John's been in the business for four years now and is dedicated to getting you the best deal possible. He's always available to take your call anytime, day or night. For you Oriole fans out there, you know him as the sunglass guy sitting behind the dugout at Camden Yard. So give John a call today, 443-604-6298.
1: And you guys have heard me say it every week. John really helped us in buying our home. He got us set with everything we were wanting in the home that we were looking for, really got us what we wanted uh, at the price that we wanted as well, so he really took care of us during the process. But I, this is something that Fred every week I stress. Yeah, he takes care of his clients after the fact as well. You don't find that in very many realtors. There's a few out there, but most of them, you know, it's okay. I'll call you when I when you know I'm low on business and I need some some referrals. Right. He takes care of his people afterwards because he knows if he takes care of his people afterwards, you're going to naturally refer people to him. So it's a great experience working with him, taking care of us after the fact. I love it. Like we said, if you're in the market to buy or even sell your home, it is a big seller's market right now. You want to make sure you give him a call, 443-604-6298. Or you can email him at johnsheffa at gmail.com. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-E-F-F-A at gmail.com. And again, that phone number for you, 443-604-6298. Give him a call today. And let them know that Birdland B.S. was the one that sent you. All right, Scott, it's
0: time for some Ravens flock talk. And let's start this off, man. There's been some, some interesting news kind of going around with the team. You and I had talked last week, and if actually really for the past couple of weeks, what the punt return situation is going to look like. We haven't seen Cyrus Jones at practice. He wasn't at OTAs. There's kind of like this almost like a mysterious injury going on. They haven't really said what it is with him, or I haven't seen anything as to what it is with him. Right. But they had an interesting name returning kicks this week. I thought it was interesting
1: because it's a guy that you pick up through the draft, the last draft pick, in Trace McSorley. Quarterback Trace McSorley. Quarterback Trace McSorley. (laughs) And now he is punt returner Trace McSorley. Right. But here's the deal. When you and I kind of questioned this before of whether this was going to be a situation that we anticipated a case of a case of Hill type situation with him, right? That they, they would use him in multiple different scenarios. It puts three QBs on the roster. Exactly. While still having that, that special teams coverage game. Cause that was our worry was who is it? Who's going to be your special teams returner? Right. We've talked about Chris Moore. Chris Moore's look good but do you want to, if he's looking good as a wide receiver do you want to put more on him as a punt returner or kick returner as well the question becomes do you do that i say no i mean what do you do you think this is the right move to have mcsorley returning kicks
0: so here's the thing cyrus jones came in last year took over that role and did a really good job at it the thing with cyrus jones is is he doesn't really bring a whole lot of value to a pretty deep cornerback position he doesn't really bring a whole lot of value at cornerback if anything he'd be fifth or sixth at best on the depth chart at corner so he's really limited to just that role as a punt returner we talked about this also last week is that roster spots when they cut down to the 53 are going to be at an absolute premium yeah you're going to get down to the nitty-gritty and it's really going to ultimately depend on a couple of things how many wide receivers does this team carry? Because if you end up getting into the number of seven, well, you got to rob Peter to pay Paul somewhere. You got to make a cut somewhere. And Trace McSorley, the interesting thing about McSorley, and one of the things I think we got excited about with him when we were talking about drafting him was that he's an athlete f- first. Yes, right. he's a quarterback, right. but he's an athlete, right? He's a guy that can make some plays with his feet. Um, and when you're going to, you know, a franchise like the Ravens, they don't carry three quarterbacks historically, so if you're going to carry three quarterbacks like that, then you've got to have a role for him. you've absolutely got to have a role for him
1: yeah, I think it's it's one of those things that if you if you have a role for him, he is a valuable point now Brady brings up that he doesn't he's not sure if he's going to make the fifty three 53 man roster. My thing is, I think he will make the fifty three man roster I think he's going to to do well with this he is the guy that's he's the guy that's really set up to to set us up for success in that in that you know special teams role so i think it really comes down to can can he really come on and really make a difference and so far everything that we're hearing is that he is making a big difference in what in what we're doing on the special teams and i love to hear that because as you and i said we some people were questioning that pick in the last round But I think when we look at it and we say he was an athlete, you and I said that from the get-go, you you just said it again. With him being an athlete, I think it's something that we, we really have to really focus on and really put an emphasis on. Is this special teams? Because it has it has to go smoothly on special teams. You, if you f- start fumbling things like that, it creates an issue. But him as an athlete, and, that, I don't and that's exactly
0: my point. If you're going to use a roster spot to carry a third quarterback like that, you want a versatile guy like a Trace McSorley that can do multiple things. You don't want to have him just in the wings as a third string quarterback. So that's the beauty part. But you know what? Let's give us. Let's take a little bit of a dive here. Let's take a little bit of a switch, and let's having have our guest join us so joining us the show now to talk ravens the starting center number sixty eight in your program number one in your heart Matt Skura. matt appreciate you taking the time to join us man
2: thank you really appreciate you guys uh having me on the show
0: ah no problem
1: yeah, this, is, this is exciting to have you on uh you know we we appreciate you taking the time to to talk to us you know we we'll, know it's later in the evening luckily it's uh you know you didn't have any practice today so you know <laughs> i'm sure you're right, still yeah, work still working out i'm yeah, sure that's
2: definitely nice. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we dive too deep in anything, OTAs are done. Training camp's about a month away now. How are you feeling health-wise going into the season? You ready to go?
2: Yeah, all ready to go. Feeling good Uh, down here in Charlotte, North Carolina training. So, uh, yeah, just gearing up for uh, training camp and the season. And, uh, yeah, really, really excited about what we're going to accomplish this year and excited for the guys.
1: Is there anything in specific that you're kind of working on while you're down there in North Carolina that, you know, that, you know any conditioning or anything that you're, you're trying to put your focus on before you go into training
2: camp? Uh, yeah, I think I'm just working really on everything. Um, you know, I do – so we'll do conditioning first, and then we'll go into the weight room and do weights. And then after that, I go back onto the field and I do, you know, my snaps. I do pass sets, run blocking fits. And everything about. It. So I'm just trying to get everything down pat, getting my technique worked on, um, really honing in on anything that needs to be fixed or tweaked. And so, yeah, and luckily, um, you know, I feel like I'm in really good shape and it's very humid down here. So it's getting me <laughs> nice and prepared. <laughs> That's good to hear. That's
3: good. It's
1: getting humid up here. I'll tell you that. Uh, let's oh, take, yeah. take a step back for a minute. 2016. You go undrafted, you sign with the Ravens, and in 2017, one of the best linemen in Ravens history, Marsha Yonda, goes down with an injury, and you're now plugged into that starter role at right guard for the remainder of the season. What was that experience like for you going in and, and kind of you know filling the shoes of Yonda and doing doing a pretty good job of it?
2: Yeah, that was, like you said, a whirlwind of a, week, of a year because um i had been released put on practice squad and then we're playing the browns and marshall gets hurt i'm like oh my gosh like <laughs> this is me i'm gonna get activated so the crazy thing was on tuesday we come back we're lifting they put me on the 53 man roster and then um joe d our line coach like yeah we want to give you a shot at the starting right guard position and by the way we're leaving for london and like Two days. So, like <laughs> it, it was so, yeah, it was just a really crazy week because the whole London trip kind of threw, I want to say a wrench into everything, but it was just such a unique experience. Um, so I think that was a really cool part. I got my first start in London at Wembley Stadium. And, uh, yeah, the whole year just uh, kind of going along with right guard. I hadn't played guard in quite a long time, even in college. I think I played it, you know, maybe my sophomore year a few snaps. So, I think it was very valuable for me to get those reps because you want to show versatility and having that versatility in your pocket is always something good to have. It is, that's and for that's sure. That's
0: definitely true. So fast forward to last year, Ryan Jensen leaves in free agency. The team needs a new starter at center. You win the job out at camp, start all 16 games last year. Is there more of a comfort level for you at center being that you played there at college and Duke?
2: Yeah, I think so. Just because I'm familiar with snapping the ball, making calls, and everything that goes along with playing center. Um, And, yeah, I feel like, you know, getting that whole year plus a playoff game was huge for me. And then taking this year, kind of taking that next step forward and really solidifying myself and really taking my game to the next level, that's something that um, I'm really trying to do and working really hard at.
0: Exactly. And, again, that just kind of goes to your – as far as versatility and just kind of being able to do multiple things on the offensive line. That's one of the things that we value as fans uh, that you bring to the right. table in your younger years, pop Warner high school days, were you always alignment or did you play anywhere else on the
2: field? Uh, usually stuck to O-line, but I did play a little defensive end, defensive tackle. Um, yeah, I was just a little bit on the heavier side. So when I tried to play pop Warner in fourth grade, they bumped me up with the sixth graders and that didn't go well. And, then, uh, <laughs> I actually like quit football after that, and then started back up in middle school, and that's when it kind of like took off. Um, but yeah, we in high school we ran the triple option, so it was kind of fun uh, being in that position. But yeah, kind of uh, center was sort of my only position in college, but then in high school I was tackle guard and all that. Okay.
1: Okay. So, you know, with you, know, you talk about changes for, for your career and just, you know, going through your years. You know, last season, there were a lot of changes in this offense. You know, Flacco goes down with the injury and in steps Lamar at QB. You know, we all know that these, these guys are two totally different style quarterbacks and, you know, different styles of play. How much of a challenge has it been, you know, for you or, or even any of your other offensive linemen to make the adjustment to kind of this, I don't want to say new style, but a different style than what you
3: originally started with? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think there definitely was an adjustment. Uh, Fortunately, a lot of guys have run the RPO systems in college, and so we were all kind of familiar about the scheme and how it's supposed to be run and this and that. Um, I think the toughest part is, you know, Lamar, he can just take off and run and make a huge play for you. So sometimes, you know, you don't know where he is in the back pocket, but, hey, if he's making a huge play, either with his arm or legs, you know, uh, that's great. But I think really collectively – As an offense last year, it was us buying into, you know, Greg Roman's system and how he wanted to run things because pretty much when Joe went down that next week, we had a bye week and we had to essentially install um, a whole new offense. And so we just kind of went right along with it and uh, we knew we just had to make it work. And uh, I thought we did a pretty good job at it.
1: Yeah, there definitely was was a lot of of changeover for you guys. Now, I, I will say... You guys as as a line kind of took some criticism, you know, myself included on this, you know, for some false starts, you know, towards the in the middle end of the year. Total you guys had 26 false starts to to finish out the the year, which was fourth in the league for number of false starts. Is that a yeah. concern concern for you guys or do you got kind of tack that up to really going through and to your point kind of installing almost a whole new offense and getting really used to how Lamar is and where being aware of where he is in the pocket and things like that or is there anything that you guys are trying to work work on in this off season to kind of help to minimize that and, and relieve some of that criticism that, that kind of came out last year
2: yeah I mean I think uh, the biggest thing for us is making sure we're consistent in our play and that we uh, perform really well and so uh the biggest thing you know with full starts it's really tough because um a lot of times like i was making a call or you know there's a lot of communication going on there's uh defense making calls and we're trying to adjust and sometimes you know things just happen and obviously you don't you want to minimize those as much as possible and you know i think lamar last year stepping in did a really good job about handling the cadence making sure uh doing the things that he was comfortable with and so I think going into this year, he's been taking that next step as far as, you know, we can mix up all these different snap counts and, um, you know, keep people off off their heels. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You know, I think it comes part with the job uh, being an offensive lineman. But, um, yeah, no, I think – we're in the right direction.
1: Okay. That sounds like you guys are making the, you know, the necessary adjustments that, that you know, you, you want to make and, and make sure that you're at the top of your game all the time. So I love to hear that.
0: And it's probably a lot to do with a different communicator. You got a new quarterback under huddle. You're, le- you know, learning somebody else's cadence and that kind of thing. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and I think everything that we're seeing with this offensive line this year, you know, a lot of guys are coming back healthy this year. Obviously, we drafted Ben Powers. Uh, We got Bradley Bozeman now coming into his second year, which creates a lot of depth on the offensive line. Do you guys see that as good, healthy competition for it and getting after it a little bit at practice?
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm always someone who loves competition. Uh, I think it really drives everyone to be better, you know, if I – uh, see Bozeman or someone else you know make a really good reach for I'm going man i want I want to make that play I want to do that too <laughs> right um, you get know, jealous of each other just... <laughs> yeah and you know the season is extremely long right. and so you need depth and guys who can be able to be plugged in uh, either in the interior or out on the tackle spots and be able to perform well and so I think that's a huge part for us this year is building depth so that we can uh, go through the whole year. Hopefully, you know, obviously there's no injuries, but, um, yeah, I think when you have depth as an offensive line, you have more confidence, uh, in one another. And yeah, I, I think the competition part definitely goes hand in hand.
0: So Dave from our partner company at Big Play wants me to ask you, he's a big Browns guy. They do a whole Cleveland show out there in, in Cleveland. So obviously you know the history of the Ravens coming here from Cleveland. The Browns really haven't had a whole lot to to come to be excited about really since they've been back in the NFL. Are you excited for this rivalry to kind of start getting underway over these next couple of years? Because there's a lot of chat and there's a lot of talk that the Browns are the next up-and-coming team in the AFC North.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, it's going to make it for really fun games. And I'll say this in the past, uh, the Browns have had, I know, just from my experience, some really good defensive lines and defenses. When we played them, they gave us tons of fits. I know it's hard for them to kind of sometimes put it all together and get a win, but, um, yeah, I think they're definitely headed in the right direction. I got a buddy uh, here in Charlotte that actually plays O-line for them and uh, you know he's really excited, and you know we like to bicker back and forth. So I think it's going <laughs> to be great. You know, I I think it's going to. I'm really into those rivalries. You know, Duke, Carolina, uh, that was always something that I look forward to. And you know, now being in the AFC North with us, the Steelers, Bengals, and the Browns, I, I think that is going to be great.
0: Well, you bring up the Steelers, so I got to ask. I read somewhere that you actually grew up in western Pennsylvania where a big Steelers fan as a kid. How's that been on the family now, obviously, playing on the, the rivalry? Have they donned the purple now, or are they still rocking the gold and black? Uh,
2: they, they definitely donned the purple. Nice. But it was definitely a tough transition. Like I said, <laughs> I was born and raised. Uh, in Pittsburgh, and then I moved to Columbus, Ohio when I was 15. Mm-hmm. But, you know, all of my family roots are in Pittsburgh. We're diehard Steelers fans, Pirates fans, uh, Penguins fans. So, when I told my parents, I had to call my parents, you know, let them know I was going to the Ravens my rookie year. I'm like, guys, uh, I gotta tell you something. <laughs> You're gonna have probably have to switch colors on the jersey. I'm going to the Ravens. So, <laughs> Uh, it, it's definitely funny because I got a bunch of friends uh, still in Pittsburgh too and they're like we hate the Ravens but I'll root for you <laughs> so it, it makes it fun
0: that's awesome for sure.
1: well I, I got another another question for you regarding rivalries you know we here on, on Birdland we're big Maryland fans uh, you obviously yeah. with the Duke background um, for us one question that we did have that we wanted to ask you from you know an insider's perspective kind of coming from Duke you know I don't the big thing for us with the Duke Maryland rivalry usually was the the basketball games, and right. it's been a while since since we've seen that. And year after year, we think it may be coming, and it's not coming. Is is there a lot of you know missing that rivalry as well with Duke? Does does Duke miss that with with Maryland at all, or is that just a Maryland thing for us?
2: Um, you know, it. I think with some of the older guys that I've talked to that I played with at Duke. Um, guys who played back in like 2008-2009 when uh, Maryland and Duke played each other in football, you know, that was a really cool rivalry for them, they told me. And that it was just a really cool atmosphere because the with the basketball rivalry, it kind of carries over into football a little bit. Um, honestly, I didn't... I knew a little bit about the Duke-Maryland rivalry, but I didn't really um really fully understand it until i actually got to baltimore it was like my first week there and i had a duke football shirt i had no raven stuff and <laughs> oh, eating breakfast i'm eating breakfast and someone's like hey uh you might want to get that smudge off your shirt <laughs> I'm like, "All right." you know i, I like that stuff because you know i couldn't carolina was 10 minutes down the road and you would run into a fan that would say something so i i think it was really cool but um yeah, you know, I've met a lot of Maryland people, and they're like, "Oh, so you went to Duke?" You know, it just kind of like the tone changes a little bit. <laughs> uh, but but I take a little bit. I take a little fun in it. I think it's awesome. That's
1: awesome. All right. Well, uh, you know, before we kind of let you go here, kind of wanted to give you a second. You know, I know you've worked with a few charities in the past. You've you've done different events with some of the other uh, you know uh, veteran players on the team and done some of their events uh, with some different charities or different things that you're working on. So we like to give our guests a, a chance to you know put anything out there if there's anything that you're you're. you're working on or anything that you're going to be attending or want to encourage people to, you know, kind of be aware of anything like that, kind of give you a platform to do that for a moment.
2: Yeah, for sure. So my wife and I currently are working with a pediatric brain tumor foundation and, uh, we've been working with them, especially with my, my cause, my cleats for the past couple years. And so that's just something that's close to us. My wife, youngest sister had uh, a brain tumor when she was three years old. Uh, Luckily, you know, they were able to remove it, get it under control. And, you know, she is fine. And, you know, a young lady now at 12 years old. And so that's something that's always been close to us. um, And that's something that we're going to get more involved in in Baltimore this year. We want to go into hospitals and raise money and do events and. Other things like that. So that's something that has always been close to our hearts, and something that we're definitely going to be uh, promoting. That's, that's awesome.
1: awesome, man. We'll we'll definitely make sure to to tag that in the the post when we do this as well, for you sure, know, to, to help people go support them as well.
0: Matt, can't thank you enough for joining the show, man. We would love to talk to you again, maybe as we get a little bit closer to the show. Really appreciate you taking the time.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun, and uh, for sure, let's let's do it again. All right, Sounds man. Good. Appreciate it, Matt. All right, bye. Thanks.
0: There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Skura, your starting center for the Baltimore Ravens. Man, that was a lot of fun having him on the show.
1: Yeah, that was that was awesome. He's great, great interview, great guy. I think he was having a little bit of fun there. Uh, you know, he, he I think he was liking the rivalry questions. Uh, you know, I'm excited to see see what what he can do. You know, I think you and I have, you know, I, I definitely have given you know some criticism to the offensive line in the past, but he sounds excited for what this team is doing, and I, I think they're making the necessary adjustments. It sounds like that, that they are aware that they needed to kind of make.
0: Obviously, the fall starts were an issue, and that's something that's got to be fixed, and they're they're working on it again. It's a communication thing. About amongst the difference in quarterbacks but look if you're looking at this offensive line right I talked about it earlier a lot of guys are coming back they're getting healthy they drafted Ben Powers so they got a little bit more depth there at offensive line you get a healthy Marshall Yonda back for a full season he said it's the healthiest he's been in years yeah that that does not sit well for other (laughs) AFC (laughs) defenses out there you get Orlando Brown who Comes in as the starter day one, which we said he probably should have done as a rookie. I think he should have been
1: done last year. We should have asked
0: Matt that. Yeah, right? Darn. Get him in coming in as his second year, and he's going to be a starter. Ronnie Stanley comes into an important year for him. I mean, he's a, he's the team has their fifth year option next year at almost thirteen million dollars. This is a big
1: year for him. He's, he's so gotta, he's got to put up. He's he's got to put up, and I think he will. I think this, you know, Ronnie Stanley has never been a, a big question mark or anything for me. Right. I think he's going to come in. He's gonna he's gonna earn and show what what he really wanted to do. Uh, and then you got you know to your point you got all these guys come back healthy. And we just heard from a motivated and confident Matt Skura that he likes what this offense is doing. They're making adjustments. They're, they're getting to know this, this playbook in Greg Roman's offense, And it's really doing well in everything that we expected. So for me, I, I think I look at it. I, I like what I'm hearing. I love what I'm hearing from, from Matt on how he feels, you know, he's the center. He's the guy, you know, Hey, hey, they're going to blitz over here. They're blitzing over there. He's the quarterback
0: blitz. of the offensive line.
1: Yeah, he is. He is. And so for him to be making that call, and then you got the of, of true, healthy offensive line, as long as they can all stay healthy all year, I'm very excited for what they can do. There's been some question marks, but I do like hearing the confidence out of him.
0: And I like the fact that he's open to that that he likes the 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 competition. You know, Bradley Bozeman's going to be pushing him for that starting center role. You know, left guard I think is the is the one big question mark on the offensive line right now. You got Alex Lewis, who can't stay healthy. I mean, I'm hoping that he come back and he can prove all the doubters wrong, that he's not just an an injury-riddled guy. Uh, So we'd like to see him get back. Again, Bradley Bozeman comes into his second year. You draft the young kid, Ben Powers, out of Oklahoma. There's a lot of hope and excitement for him. So you have some options there. Let's not forget James Hurst. James Hurst is also a guy that plays his best at left guard. Yeah. He played okay at right tackle but he definitely plays best at left guard. So, I I think this is shaping up if, you know, again, the offensive line stays healthy, I think this is shaping up to be one of the better offensive lines in the NFL this year.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I can I cannot wait for for what these guys wind up doing. I he's got me after that interview, man. He's got me excited. I am too. All right, Scott, it's time for the brew of the week. What are we sipping on today? This week's brew of the week, it might be a little like clear ish through the thing because it's got yellow in it It, this is from uh peak organic brewing company it is their summer session a summertime ipa um it's your traditional like summer wheat beer uh that marries kind of with a west coast pale ale if people don't know what that is it's more like a a lighter like uh citrusy pale ale um but it's locally grown wheat provides you know a, a complex taste you know, when you, when you drink it, it has that, that nice kick to it, but yeah. at the same time, there's a dry hoppiness taste to it that gives it the citrus as well, and that's kind of the West Coast style. It's not bad at five percent. I mean, this is pretty good. They actually had suggested food pairings for this, including seafood, spicy food, pasta dishes, and just anything summer. It sounds like a Baltimore, you know, crab beer. That's what it sounds like. I got to try <laughs> it's a good now.
0: summery beer, man. <laughs> I, I dig it. So if you want to pick up this summer session beer. Make sure you stop by Liquor Stop on Conowingo, Wo- on Conowingo Road. They're just <laughs> ROADs. Conowingo ROADs. <laughs> Ask for Jerry and tell him Birdland BS sent you to get you 10% off. Time for some bros, bows, and o's. Man. And we got some exciting news to talk about with the Orioles for the first time in a while. But before we get there... Let's talk about June. Yeah, June has not been good. Why do we always got to harp on the bad, Scott? <laughs> Let's get it out of the way. Uh, you're killing me on my high here, man. I dude I'm good I, after that interview, <laughs> and now you're gonna bring me down. <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, dude! They did not have a good month. Four and seventeen on the month yeah. so far. Four and seventeen, lost ten in a row after losing two and three in Toronto. They get swept by Boston, swept in Oakland. Finally win one in Seattle, but they still end up losing three out of four in Seattle. Look, it's been and rough.
1: The, the the harsh part is, is, is I'm going to blame you because you Me? you jinxed it. <laughs> uh, you talked about how close the games were.
0: Yeah, it has there's not- been many of these games this past week <laughs> that have not been close because of you. They have been blowouts, that's for sure. It is. It has not been pretty. All uh, right. I'll let you I'll let you give the good news, though. Yeah, man, let's 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 make it official. So. Our first-round pick, number one overall, Adley Rutschman, officially in the fold. Hey-ho! As he signs a record deal. Man, this thing was huge. He got paid bonus money as much as his contract. $8.1 million signing bonus for this guy. The slot money on him was eight point nine. million. I think Garrett Cole... Was the richest prior to this, and that was a few years back. Yeah, this he now becomes the highest paid contract and
1: signing bonus for a, an, a for the first round draft pick, and it'd be the first overall. So it just goes to show you what this kid can do. He still gets compared to Bryce, yeah. and to you know a little bit to to uh, Manny, a little bit, maybe a little bit style of you know hitting style of Trout, a little bit Trout. I, mm. I heard that this I would week. love
0: that comparison if that <laughs> happened
1: exactly. <laughs> uh but not only did they sign him before that signing happens, they signed their second round pick, which we were questioning this cuz this guy is a high school guy and we were questioning they had to have something in place, uh, you know, a, a you know, a yes sir agreement style shake hand we're in with this high school player, Gunner Henderson. They signed him as their second round pick at short.
0: Yeah, so I got kind of worried when the signings didn't take place right away because you start thinking, all right, Adley might be playing a little bit of hardball here, trying to get more money because the more money, again, MLB draft works a little bit different as far as the amount of money you're allotted to sign draft picks. So if you spend too much money on one individual person, your first round draft pick, you may not have enough money to entice your second round pick to sign. Correct. Fortunately enough for the Orioles, they were able to get not just their first, their second, but they were also able to get their third round pick. Center fielder, I think his name is Kyle Sowers or Kyle, Kyle Stowers? Stowers. Stowers. Stowers, yeah. Stowers I think it's how Stowers, they say it. okay. So he, he is actually being assigned, Stowers, or Stowers is being assigned to Aberdeen. Correct. And to start out. And Adley, then Adley, they're going to send to the Gulf Coast League for a little bit for him to kind of get a couple of bats, and then he'll come up to Aberdeen as well.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about Adley. I don't think Adley's going to be there very long.
0: There <laughs> is not going to be an empty seat at Aberdeen. I can tell you that now. Uh, Media passes much?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's get on it, buddy. Let's <laughs> are, get on we're it. We're on it. <laughs> uh, you know, we were, we were there when they signed uh, Dalton Hoyles. Let's be there when Adley right. makes Speaking his debut. Speaking of
0: Dalton Hoyles, right? So uh, this is completely off the realm. So he... He actually got called up the other day to Bowie because Bowie had a few injuries.
1: I heard something about this.
0: And he was playing left field. I saw a video going around on Twitter. If you haven't seen this, he made a hell of a catch. He was running from left field towards the foul line after a fly ball foul ball. And caught the ball as he ran into the left the left oh, side yeah. wall there yeah. and
1: flipped over the wall and still hung on to him. how he didn't come away with an injury I don't know I
0: had no idea he was even playing outfield he was drafted as a catcher so I had no idea that he was playing out there and he made a hell of a play
1: he he made a hell of a play you know you bring up Bowie though and Bowie Bru- Bowie made national headlines this week or I'm sorry no it wasn't Bowie it was Norfolk Tides made national head- headlines this week. Uh, did you see this? Where they were they were winning six to five, and a base hit goes to the outfield, the tying run scores, and the outfielder jogs to the ball and tosses it into the stands <laughs> Jesus. to end the game. Uh, by the way, end the game on that Lord. by tossing the ball into the stands the catcher was jumping around probably like you and i would be jumping around going what are you doing throw the ball in throw it oh and you just see him just get deflated as the guy oh, rounds third and Jesus. the guys like tosses the ball in it was ridiculous it was crazy it's crazy to see um you know it, it sucks it was sad sad news trey mancini also doesn't make the all-star you know round he ends up what 15th in voting and doesn't yeah. even get in the final nine i
0: mean this was kind of to be expected again we all we all talk about it every week and anytime we talk about the all-star game it's just a popularity contest so he's gonna have to get voted in by the players and by the coaches it's the only way he's gonna make the all-star game right and that's kind of what to be expected so, Which i hope they do honestly we're gonna bring this up so tonight manny machado Makes his return to Camden Yards.
1: You're going to go here earlier than I thought you were. All right. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's
0: do this. Makes his return. And you and I had talked about it. You know, there's been a lot of people talking about him being booed. And I kind of got in my feelings about it. I really think that if you're going to boo Manny, then you should have been booing him when he was here. And if you were, good on you, because you understood the asshole that is Manny Machado. (laughs) But if you're going to root for him while he's here, and then boo him because he's wearing another another uniform. He did absolutely nothing wrong to this city, did absolutely nothing wrong to this fan base. He didn't shun the team by turning down a contract, or he, there was no offers made to this guy. It didn't happen, though. He ends up getting a standing ovation.
1: Agreed. It was nice to see that, that everybody, we saw that before we went on air, we saw the video of them giving him a standing ovation before his, his first at-bat, and then what does he turn around and do? He hits a freaking bomb. Four hundred and fifty-five feet into the back of the bull, the visitors the bullpen, top bullpen, yeah, visitors bullpen. So you know he he comes out a statement. We were talking about this. We were all three watching it. He got a little smirk on his face coming around, there, coming around second base, going, uh huh.
0: Well, you know what's funny is they they interviewed him in his press conference prior to the game, and man, he's a pretty confident guy. You know he he even said in multiple interviews in the past he doesn't get nervous for anything. He said he was nervous coming into here. He said everything about today was totally different than it's been in the past. He wasn't walking down the same tunnel. He wasn't going into the same clubhouse. He wasn't parking in the same parking spot. He said, so everything just felt weird. off and it felt weird. And it was cool. You know, actually, I really enjoyed the interview because you got to see another side of Manny that you don't really hear. And I like that. I also uh, kudos out to Brittany Giroli. Yes. So she was a former beat writer. For the Orioles, and now I believe she's working for the Nationals. But she she she, or, also sorry, with she worked for the Athletic, right? She wrote an article with the Athletic talking about Manny Machado, and it, it was an interview that she did with him, and he opened up about everything. I mean, he talked about the comments that were made about Baltimore and how they were solely directed towards. Management And the way that management handled or the lack of handling his contract situation Correct. that it had absolutely nothing to do with the ball with the city with the fan base that they always showed him love and he has nothing but respect for the city and for the fan base. And that, for me, just as justification, it's it's verification that it, it, he was everything that I thought he was. It had nothing to do with the fans.
1: He put his heart and soul into the city. And like you said, there were look, there were still I still wonder if there were some undertones with some of the comments, not all the comments. I think most of the comments, to your point, were directed at management. But, you know, good on him uh, for for the lead that the, he gave the Padres going into this game. Uh for All you fans that stood in ovation, thank you for getting him giving him the motivation there, right? Uh, to, to calm down and say, I'm home, and then hit a bomb like he would have had if, if he were he in, an Oriole, in an Orioles uniform
0: 455 uh, feet. He, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he,
1: you know, he liked this ballpark, he hit well in it. So, of course, if he comes back, it's natural that he hits a home run. We're gonna talk yeah. about another guy that went back home and hit a home run later on, yeah. Uh, but. For Manny to come back, hit a home run. I got to give him credit. It was nice, you know. But his second at bat, I'm booing him.
0: <laughs> Simple as that. Well, For me, like I said, get up, give him a golf clap, give him a hand. You know, standing ovation for everything that he did here. Again, four All Star games, two Gold Gloves, one of which was a Platinum Glove. He yeah. he was the catalyst and a big part of bringing success back to this organization after they went through 15 years of terrible baseball
1: terrible doesn't even begin to describe it so let's not let's let's let that go okay but I'm, yes. I'm
0: trying to be nice here i'm trying to be <laughs> pc Fifteen years of terrible baseball. And then he gave Stop us – Stop saying terrible baseball. He I'm gonna punch you in the face. He gave <laughs> us he gave us three really good playoff runs, three memorable playoff runs, that two thousand twelve year, the whole Delman Young thing. Like I'll never forget that.
1: Chills every time we talk about
0: it. Yeah, this. man. It's just that's something I'll never forget. And that's something that Manny even said. That those are memories that he will always have, that they will always he will always carry with him. And that, you know, he owes a lot to the city of Baltimore and the organization for Drafting him and making him into the player of the year, and is. good
1: on him for the press conference. You know, prior to today's game, you know, having going through and saying he's going there. Uh, James did ask me last week if I'm going to the game this week. Uh, that when I realized it, when I thought it was a seven hundred five game, yes, I was going, but it's a three hundred five game tomorrow. So unfortunately, I can't go to the game tomorrow. I'm like disappointed now.
0: I'll tell um, you one guy that's not going to be at the game tomorrow,
1: <laughs> Dan Straley.
0: Good on the <laughs> Orioles for him not being there, Dan Straley. Finally. DFA is designated for assignment. And he took the assignment. That's the worst part. Yeah, he ends up getting reassigned to AAA. Took the assignment down to AAA. But here's the thing. This guy had a 10-run ERA. Why even keep a guy like this in an organization that is trying to build for the future you know, if he can't figure it out at the major league level at this point in his career, he's not going to go down to Triple A and magically figure it out. At this point, to me, he's just blocking and holding up his position for somebody else. When
1: this when this came about, when we when we got him, I I said that I I didn't mind it, but I had some current some concerns that so many other teams were willing to drop him. Right. You know, the Marlins had just dropped him. It's the Marlins. The Marlins. Let right. me repeat that. The Marlins were willing to drop this guy, and we picked him up. I had really? such hope. <laughs> I really? had such hope at the beginning. It just it didn't it didn't make it didn't make for good baseball. It didn't you know to your point you you bring you you send guys down or, or limit their chances um, you know and then you have a guy like uh, was it Sean Gilmartin right that comes up and he comes up and. Then they send him right back down. He came up. <laughs> but he was he, pitching really well in AAA, so he deserved the shot. He was 2-4 RA, 36 innings pitch, 40 Ks. I like it. But when you send him in and he gives up in two and a third, he gives up five runs on seven hits with two home runs.
0: Maybe he was nervous, Scott. He's just had a little bit of a case of the, the shakes, the nerves. What's he going to do when he's in? When he's got Aaron Judge in the box? I don't know, What's man. What's he going to do when he's got Bryce Harper this, in the box? This bullpen has struggled all year long. It's All we talk about is how bad the bullpen has been. You've got to make adjustments. You've got to make changes to see if you can get anything to work. A guy that's down in the minor leagues right now that's kind of interesting to me, a guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy since they drafted him, Hunter Harvey, yeah, man, he's actually down in Bowie right now, pitching out of the bullpen. So they, where they, he should be, they took him out of out of the starting role and they put him in the bullpen. He's down there throwing ninety nine and a hundred like it's nothing.
1: You could put Dylan Bundy in the bullpen. Maybe it'll get his. Uh, his I don't think so. Speed back up. That
0: arm's done, son. I-
1: Some people said the same thing with Hunter Harvey. You put him in the bullpen, he doesn't have to focus and say, I've got to get myself through six innings, five innings. I have to throw 100 pitches. I can throw 10 pitches as hard as I want. Yeah. 15 pitches, 20 pitches as hard as I want. It is a little bit different mentality when you have a guy that's like that. Um, But, you know, look, I I think it's interesting that he stays down there I wouldn't be surprised to see him. before I'm the not. End of it's, the it's, year. It's,
0: I'm not even saying that he needs to be up here. I'm just saying it's interesting to me that they've that they're using him in that role. That I, maybe that they recognize that they're the starting thing just hasn't worked out so far. That they're lacking pretty bad in the bullpen. That it would be nice well, that they could have a guy that could come in and shut down in the ninth inning because Michael Gibbons well, ain't
1: it, it. So if you have endurance problems. Do I send you out there to run the, the 5K or do I send you out there to run
0: the 100-yard 100, 100 dash? 5K all day, Scott. I got it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you heard it, Brian. My fat ass ain't running a .5K. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not running a 5K. That that <laughs> ain't no way. Let's go streaming that to YouTube right then and there. I'm going to make millions off of that.
0: <laughs> so another, another thing that I thought was kind of interesting this week and I was thinking about it was this defense has been kind of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde this year. They have been so up and down. We've seen some plays that'll leave you scratching your head. Like what the F did I just watch? Right. And then you'll see plays like this past week that will amaze you. Richie Martin. I cannot believe this didn't make sports centers top 10. Did you see this play? I did in the hole. This was, this was beyond a Derek Jeter play. This was beyond to me, even a Manny Machado play. He was on the outfield grass in the hole, diving stop gets up and throws out Tim Beckham, who who's, Tim Beckham, I'm not going to say he's fast, but he's not slow. Tim, Tim Beckham is above
1: average runner. Let's, right. let's be serious about this. He's an above average runner.
0: <laughs> I mean, he made a hell of a play. Didn't make SportsCenter's top 10, of course, because the Orioles just don't make that because who's watching the Orioles? But you know who has been making top 10? Anthony Santander. That guy, and you know, the crazy part about him going into spring training this year is that was the knock on him. It wasn't his bat. It was his glove. Yeah. And so far, when he's gotten the opportunity up here at this level this year, he's been making play after play. You know
1: what? I'm happy about it because I questioned his glove last year. I had some things that I... We both did. We all did. I was not happy about what I saw. He came in you know, looking like a third baseman more than anything else. And so for me, that's something I, I look at and I'm like, okay... What are we going to do in the outfield? He comes in, he's, he's killing it, right? He's killing it with some of these plays, you know, robbing guys over the fence. It's just, it's great to see. I love it. I want to continue to see more of it. I think it's great that they're continuing to give him a
0: chance. One last thing. I got to bring this up. And before we go to the social media shout out, I don't know if you heard about this or not. I'm, I'm pretty sure you have, but there's the potential there's news out there that there's a potential merger between Tampa Bay and Montreal and Major League Baseball is thinking about doing a two-city team. Do you think this is going to be good for baseball where they play half of a year in one city and half of a year in another city?
1: Good for that organization and good for that ownership. I'm going to say ownership, and we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good for that ownership. Um, yes, because Montreal has been really... Trying to push for a team again. And the fact that they don't have one, this gives them their in. Right. And where else, you know, we've talked about it. Do you send them, do you do a team in North Carolina? Do you do a team elsewhere? It's Montreal. I think it could work out. That my one concern is the distance. How are, There's been different things of, okay, are they going to start the season in Tampa, end it in Montreal? Are they going to start the season in Tampa? middle of the season in Montreal, end of the season back in Tampa so you can deal with the weather. But ultimately, you're just going to piss off the few Tampa fans that you actually have that aren't going to show. So now you're going to have zero attendance. Right. Which, for an ownership perspective, that gives you your out to go to Montreal because if Montreal is packing that stadium or close to it and you're losing fans in Tampa, there's your out right there. Yeah. That's that's a prime. Hey, Mob, you want to make money? Let's all go to Montreal. <laughs> you like what I did there? Let's go all. Let's all go to Montreal.
0: <laughs> yes. I mean, it'll be interesting. And I, and Ray, to Ray's credit, yeah, maybe merger was the wrong word to use there. But essentially, what's happening again to clear it up there a little bit is we're taking the Tampa Bay Rays and splitting them between tampa so and montreal i'm actually going to correct
1: area. ray you are right in the fact that it's a merger it's a merger within with the ownership it's and the, the merger the of two cities to one team but it's also the facility from what i understand it's the owner and the facility of montreal of the the stadium up there right he wants in on the profits of the organization which absolutely makes sense for if, if that's what you're doing unless they're gonna go rent the stadium, which I highly doubt there is that I heard the same terminology of merger. And I kind of, I did the same thing Ray did. I was like, well, it's, it's not really. And I started reading, digging a little bit deeper right. because he is, it is kind of them merging their two companies to make this, make this truly happen.
2: We'll
0: see
3: what happens. All right, Brian, it's time for social media shout outs. So let me run down the list. So Jessica, Ryan, Brady, Margaret, Sherry, Nico, James, Troy, Big Play Dave, Big Play Jay, and Nikki nice. Our social media shout-outs.
0: Appreciate you guys all tuning in and then, uh watching the Matt Scurra interview.
1: Yeah, did you have any did we have any questions? I know some people were asking questions about
3: for Matt Scurra, but we weren't able we didn't have the time did, to fill them in. Did you happen to see what Sherry Reedy commented about is uh, is Matt Skura married? That made me. <laughs> he did say he was married. He said his <laughs> he wife. Did. He, is he said his wife. Is that would crack me up. <laughs> Matt, so, if you're listening, uh, Sherry's interested. I'm I, just I, telling you. <laughs> I, th- I think Matt found his number one fan. To be completely <laughs> honest kidding. with you. Yeah. So Nico brought up a good question. Is what? And this was directed towards Matt. Is uh, what is. What is he expecting from his offensive line this year to be like top 10, top 5? I mean, what what is he kind of expecting from them? I mean, I think
0: he kind of hit on that in the sense that he recognizes that there's going to be some some good competition and they look to kind of build on what they did last year. Obviously, it was a big change for them mid-season, but towards the end of the year things started to gel and now they've got an entire offseason and an entire training camp to install this new system. I think this offensive line is in for a big year.
1: I do. I'm excited for what they can do. I think he, you know, like I said, I I wasn't joking when I said he, he has me a little bit excited. You know, it's a player coming in and saying, you know, he wasn't, he didn't deny the false start thing, which I think was awesome of him. You know, he, he says that they basically recognize it and they, you know, while that's not great, they need to make adjustments. And part of that may have been the, the difference of, of everything. But for me, that's that's kind of the way that the way that I'm looking at it uh, by the way, uh, we also have uh, Christy chiming in on uh, on Facebook as well. so thanks for joining us Christy, well, Christy
0: appreciate you tuning in for sure All right, Scott, let's talk some turtles, man. let's talk some terps as we talked about kind of pre-show and a little bit when we first started here Bruno Fernando, the NBA draft finally takes place and we talked about this you know all the quote-unquote experts, and even us. We were all over the place as to where this guy was going to end up. I know a lot of us had talked about possibly landing in Atlanta because Atlanta had two of the top ten picks there. They had the number 8 pick and the number 10 pick. Some people thought that he could end up being a lottery pick and going that high. Others thought he might not go to the second round. That's ultimately what happened is he didn't end up going. It made for a long night. It did. I sat there and I waited. And I waited. You waited some more, and then I led in bed, and I waited some more, and then I ended up falling asleep before he ended up getting picked. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly Alert, enough, ding, ding. exactly. Oh, I missed it. But man, it was really cool to see his passion and see his emotions and everything of getting drafted. You know, this is the first Angolan uh, NBA player to ever be drafted into the NBA, so it was a big thing, not just for him, but it's for for his home country. There's so much to like about Bruno. Forget. The, the basketball side of it for a second, but just the, the, the type of person that he is and how passionate he is about the things that he does. He's passionate about his country. He's passionate about the University of Maryland and right away after getting drafted and being traded to Atlanta from the 76ers. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing nothing but talking great things about what he's going to do and what he's going to bring to the city of Atlanta.
1: I would be, too, if I was going to join Terps 2.0. I
0: mean, that's basically what it is. <laughs> Terps South. I like well, it. Well, You got Kevin
1: Herter down there. Uh, you also have an Alex Lynn, former Terp. So you got the two of those. You got Bruno coming in. Uh, and then I saw, I think I saw today or yesterday, they made another trade uh, for another guy. It wasn't a Terp, but I was like, it's, it's another guy that's kind of up and coming, young guy. So this is going to be a
0: young team. Healthy, vibrant. I'd watch out for the Hawks. Yeah, man. This is a young, up and coming team. They've been bad for a while now, but when you start looking at things, I mean, Kevin Herder's—he's a, a young shooter that's doing big things already as a young as a young player. You end up having Trey Young, one of the best young shooters in the game, in my opinion. Well, did you
1: say Herder? Herder reminds you of like Mike Muller or whatever. Yeah, Huter, you kind of mentioned that he, hes kind of
0: Michelle. got that same same. Role. He's got that Mike Miller, the Kyle Korver type of role, and I think he's a little bit more well-rounded as a basketball player. But he's got that same type of shooter eye. He can he can shoot from three when need be. Exactly. Then they've got you know they draft DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia this year. They get Cam Reddish from Duke, and then of course they get Bruno Fernando. This is going to be a very, very good young team for sure.
1: <laughs> Ryan chiming in: Jay Clayman is an unrestricted free agent.
0: Go get him! Yeah, I tell you what, can you imagine Terps two down there? I will be the first one to go down there and watch a game, man. We might have to take a,
1: a road trip to Atlanta oh, oh, or a road it. trip to when they I, welcome they play to the- Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to welcome to Maryland South. Uh, no, that w- that would be nice. It would be pretty cool. I, I don't know if they play. I'd have to look at the uh, the schedule. If they play the Wizards, we definitely got to go to that game
0: for sure, man, for sure. So uh,
1: the other thing that we kind of got to get into is football side of things. Mm-hmm. So Maryland football has got a new hashtag, and it's not hashtag locked in. They're still using that, right? But their new hashtag is hashtag maximize it.
0: They've been using it for a little while now, but yeah.
1: But they've really, they've really taken it to a whole nother level over the past. They started to
0: maximize it. I see what yeah. you did there. Gigody I see go. what I you did you. there.
1: <laughs> Look, they're they're doing it with like. They're posting all these lifting videos of these guys, you know, doing, you know, doing big reps, doing big and getting excited and having fun. Then they they do the cardio workouts on the
0: field. This kind of goes back to what we talked about before. This just shows how transparent they're being. They're showing that, you know, hey, even we have all even though we have all this turmoil that's kind of it's been in the past, that's the thing. It's been in the past. Not only have the staff moved on, but the players have moved on. The players have bought in. This is just another reason to like what Mike Loxley and his new coaching staff is doing there. I'm all on board. I'm locked in for you, sure. You
1: know why I'm I'm even more locked in was because of the other Maximize It video. The other Maximize It video was they held, they, which they kind of do every year, but it's not as, as publicized. They held a career fair for these guys. Coming in, here's what you can do. Here's some different, all different backgrounds. I know they had like a police canine unit there. They had a... a uh, some different financial companies there. These guys are going in and they could, they could make the world. They have the world in front of them and you want them to to recognize that you can't lose focus, that you gotta have. I, I hate to say this and I hate to use this terminology, but the career fair, I think is a reminder unintentionally of a backup plan, right? Not all of you are going to make it into the NFL. Some of you may have the potential right now. Setting them up for success. But if you get injured, you need a backup plan. You need something to fall back on that you can do from a career standpoint. Right. So this, I think the career fair, I love it. It's before school even really starts, before they even really get into classes. It's a great move that they do every year. This year, I just felt it was really publicized. It didn't really fit in with the Maximize It because it's not only maximizing it on the field, it's maximizing it off the field in everything that you do. Right. And I love this. Coach Locks, I keep saying it. I, I feel like I'm repeating myself. We keep giving you hats off, dude. Everything that you are doing is what we come to expect of Maryland and Maryland coaching staff. And
0: like we said, I mean, we're seeing it in the recruitment, we're seeing it in all the commitments that are coming yeah, in. Yeah, man, these commitments. I mean, they in. just keep flying in one after the other. And, you know, this just goes to show, again, what he's doing is is working, and the other players that are coming in are feeding off of it. again, Nick Cross and some of these other guys, Dino Tomlin, out on social media, using social media as a platform to get out there and recruit and bring some of their other brothers in from other high schools. yeah, like this is the kind of atmosphere that you want to see when it, when it, when an organization or when a university has the black eye that they have you got to do things outside of the box to try to fix that image this and is they're doing it
1: this is just a start of redeveloping the roots right. in this in this organization in this team in this in this university and that's what you're going to see is these guys they're, they're getting rooted in this they're becoming you know involved in and invested in this university not just in this team and in their careers but in this university and that's where they're going dude the, the atmosphere is awesome you gotta come to maryland you gotta at least visit maryland come here and these guys are signing you're know, the big ones what Shane Mosley this guy's a three-star DB yeah that's already committed for next year this guy could probably have his choice of a few different schools and
0: they just got another wide receiver a slot guy I can't think of his name right now but he's a guy that's coming out of high school that you know another three-star wide receiver so this this is just more fuel to it man they just keep rolling in and this DB this DB gets
1: the offer and the next day the less than 24 hours he goes i'm a hundred percent committed on twitter it's awesome and it's awesome to hear it's awesome to see
0: all right scott it's time for this week's good bad and ugly <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna let you start off with the good this week well this we both w- got to do the good this, this, this was all- a really really cool story it's a really cool moment really. if you guys haven't seen for it for you baseball fans yeah for there.
1: you baseball fans if you guys haven't seen it uh Albert Pujols returned to St. Louis this past weekend,
0: and for, which surprised me for one that this was his first trip because he's been gone out of St. Louis for a while. I know it's, it's been like seven, eight American eight years, years, National yeah. League, yeah. right? But I would have thought somewhere along the lines that he would have been in St. Louis by now. But this was the first time.
1: Uh, I don't know. He, maybe he did play. Maybe they didn't no. go there. Well, no, this hmm, was his first. Time. This is the first time they've been yeah. there. Okay, so um, for him, he returns there. Gets a standing ovation during every single at bat. Yeah. the entire series.
0: Yeah, and it was really cool because you saw in his last at bat there. You know, he ended up getting he ended up hitting the ball off the inside of the bat and popping it up to the infield as an infield fly rule. And as he's coming back, Yadier Molina is holding his bat, waiting for him. And they had an embrace. They hugged there. The fans are cheering him as he w- look St. Louis they're a classy organization they're a classy fan base they don't forget you know this is somebody that was no. there for a long time he hasn't been there in a long time but I mean every single at bat in that series they gave him that standing and ovation. you
1: talked about the embrace between him and Molina you know they did something when he first got there like the two of them it was there was a video that was on that was floating around on on Twitter of the two of them walking through the the back end of the clubhouse like talking I kind of in all honesty I'm sitting there watching the video going this is really cool but in the back of my mind I'm going just let these two guys be. Right. S- stand back and let them walk down the hall together. Yeah. Just let them go. Let them talk to each other. This is this is a, a huge thing for them. They I'm sure they talk and I'm sure that they've they've met with each other. But this was a big moment. And Yachty, I my hat goes off to Yachty because Yachty was a class act. Not just a class organization, but Yachty was a class act 100% in the situation. Agree. Because Yachty, he's been known to be a fiery guy, but he, he recognizes Passionate. that he recognizes that he this guy was his teammate some during some great years they brought two
0: world series to st louis and
1: for him to recognize that they loved they embraced it i thought it was great um i think you had said something and and i I had seen it but you were really really surprised and really thought it was really cool with the special needs kids that yeah so
0: he apparently i think either his girlfriend or his wife has a special needs son from another relationship or another marriage and i've i've seen him do a lot of charitable work uh, with special needs kids. And that's something that uh, I have a lot of respect for. And either they, over the weekend, he, after the game, uh, there was a special needs kid standing on the first baseline down there by the, uh, by the dugout. And he came over, took his jersey off, signed the jersey for the kid, stood down there with his family and took pictures, talked to his dad. It was just a and really, really cool moment. This
1: isn't just a one-time thing either because four days ago, or four days prior... Into, I think it was Toronto, he did the exact same thing he's for just another a, kid. He's Walked over off the dude. field and gave the kid his jersey and signed it. The kid's wearing a jersey. He signed the jersey, took off his back, and signed this kid's jersey. Made this family's day. Here he does it again in St. Louis. You know, it's just great. And then he, you know, he hits a home run yeah. and gets a curtain call on Saturday. Right. It was just, it, it was fairy tale style, it was, you know, movie esque type situation it's great to see i i love to see it i think it, it was great situation
0: all right so let's talk a little bit about the bad and this story i'm gonna let you go on this <laughs> one as well so this was a story i thought was kind of interesting i hadn't read anything about it you told me about this last night as we're prepping for the show this is kind of cool okay <laughs> kind of cool in a way for the guy but i'll let you tell the story all
1: right so if you guys didn't hear about this cam newton uh wound up trying to buy a seat from a customer on a flight. That's how this video originally came out. He was trying to buy a seat from a customer uh, and he wanted more leg room. He was on a 10-hour flight from Paris back to the States and he wanted more leg room and he was trying to buy it. And he started with this guy at $1,000. Started. Right. Mind you, what? Cam's got on, what, $104 million contract? Right. (laughs) $1,000 chump change you see the shit he's wearing. Right. I'm just saying. So he gets up to 1500 and the guy basically says, no, look, I, I you see him in the video. You can't hear the full thing, but it, it's, it's very easy you can to tell, tell what
0: he's trying to say. He's,
1: he literally is like, looking at cam and is like looking and kind of, he, you see his hand make a motion. Like, dude, I'm sitting with my family. I'm not right. going to go sit over there for 10 hours. Good but
0: on him. Screw cam. I don't so, care what kind of athlete you are. I don't care how much money you have. You know, if you're on a ten-hour flight or an eleven-hour flight, and you're there with your family, what are you gonna let Cam Newton sit there for fifteen hundred bucks with your family? <laughs> and I'm sure he paid a pretty price for that ticket himself. Yeah,
1: I mean, he—you hear him say something about like just this seat was six hundred bucks. Okay, and that's that's it's fine, whatever. Okay, if you got three seats, he's basically paying for your seats, but it's not worth it to, if you're if you bought those seats. You know what's going on. So one of the things that went around was. Well, why the hell did Cam? Why is Cam not traveling in first class? Why is Cam not getting that seat in the first place and paying for that seat? Right. Well, it's because Cam's dumbass missed his flight, right. his original flight. So he got on this flight and now he's trying to buy his way in. So bad on Cam or bad on the guy for not for, for not moving the money here?
0: No, you say bad. You say on, bad on Cam. Bad on Cam. I say I, bad I on give, Cam as well. I give kudos to the guy for standing his ground. Brian,
3: would you give up your seat to Cam Newton for? Oh, hell. Yeah, you would have to at least give me ten or twenty thousand for me to. Right, if I mean, it that was some years. kind
0: of mind-boggling number oh, that you're like, yeah. I can't turn it down. That's a difference. Sorry, honey, I'm gonna go sit over here for the next ten hours. But for 15, <laughs> She hundred, I'll be bucks, honest with you, either. Right. <laughs> right all right, I'm good with it. But now, good on this guy for standing his ground. Oh, yeah. yeah,
1: I, I agree one hundred percent. You know, there's some people that are saying, that, "Oh, dude, you
0: you had, you know,
1: he's going that contract. You could have been like for grand, and it's yours. And he probably would have paid it, and he probably would have. Right. But at the same time, I think it's great that this guy is is concerned about his family not getting starstruck. I don't know whether the guy even knew who he was. Right. It's possible he had no clue who I'm he sure was. I'm sure he knew. Who I'm was. sure he did. I'm sure he did. And there I mean there's people all around him going, "Cam, Cam, you got to know this guy knows this is this is somebody serious." Right. So and Cam stopped after 1500. Didn't even try.
0: All right, Scott. So I'm going to go to the Ugly. And I'm giving this week's Ugly to you, my friend. You are this week's winner of the ugly because yet again another fan is hit in the head at a baseball game. This one at Dodger Stadium. It's happened multiple times this year. You and I, during our hundredth episode, had a little bit of a debate on as to whether or not nets should be mandatory down the baselines. I took some in crap major for league baseball as you should, because this is something that. As soon as this girl got hit what came out the next day the, the Dodgers, Dodgers are, are gonna going install to install nets. In. So this is this is exactly what I was saying this is exactly what everybody else is saying out there is it's going to take somebody dying or something catastrophic happening to a fan before they finally implement this goddamn rule. And here's the thing, it's fucking netting. How much does netting cost to put down the fucking baselines at every Major League Stadium? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to drop the F-bomb on this because it's frustrating, because I don't give a shit about the, the visual aspect of it, because I'm telling you, one of the most attractive seats to sit in in a stadium is behind home plate, and when you sit there, what's in front of you? A net. And when you're there for Fair 20 enough. seconds, it goes away. It doesn't Fair enough. hinder the view in any kind of way. I get your point, and I get everybody else's point out there, that it's a risk going to a Major League Baseball game. And even installing the nets down the baselines – it's still a risk because a pop fly could come up. If you're not paying attention, it can hit you. But here's the deal. Here's the here's the difference. There, there are line shots that come off the bat that it literally takes you a split second to have your eye off that if your eye is not watching it, you will get hit. If your son is sitting next to you and he drops his soda and you go to clean it up, you take your eye off of it for one second, here comes a foul ball, you're not paying attention, you're done. Your son's done. Somebody's done because... Or, or or you got to answer an emergency phone call. I don't care how a responsible parent you are or you want to paint a picture that you, that you can be. There are distractions that happen during a baseball game that come. It, it, I don't care. There are obviously people out there that sit on their phones all game. They're not paying attention to it at all. And those people shouldn't be at a baseball game to begin with. But there are distractions that happen throughout a game that you're not prepared for. And that's all it takes is that split second.
1: Let's protect the stupid. I heard that today. And that's a good word. I mean, I I agree with that. Let's protect the stupid. I'm all right with that. That's my problem. Why are we this? Life in general, evolution of life is is the evolution of Darwin's theory. Right? We all know what Darwin's theory is, right? Right. Survival of the fittest. If you're going to go to a baseball game and sit on your phone, which, by the way, here's my argument. Go back and watch the video. The girl's on her effing phone. Okay. Shut up about that. I'm I'm so sick and tired of people saying, oh, put netting down. That's not
0: going to solve anything. It because- will. No, it's, it's not. not. If that net was there, that girl would have never got hit regardless if she's on her phone or not. I don't care. I understand that there are people This is the same people- stadium that somebody fell off the third the, the third deck. That's a totally different issue. No, that's it's- a totally different issue. We're talking about nets that prevent people in the front couple of rows from getting decapitated by a 110-mile-an-hour pitch or see the, a hit you that see comes the, off of the bat. you
1: see the bat that, that two weeks ago went underneath the netting and struck the thing? There
0: are situations like no, that, are, that that are going to happen. it doesn't solve the problem. It does solve the problem. Oh, my God. Without the net there, you have 100% chance of getting hit if you're not paying attention. With the net there, you have a, a 99% you're not going to get and hit. And with
1: the net there, you have 100% chance of not needing to pay attention. No.
0: <laughs> yes, you do not have to pay attention to the regardless, game. Regardless, regardless, that's 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 not the point here. The <sighs> point is that you can get hit by a foul ball. For the slightest second, I agree that if you're sitting in an area where there's a potential for a foul ball, I don't care if that's right behind the dugout, I don't care if that's in the upper deck, you can get hit by a foul ball no matter where you are if you're not paying attention. Agreed! 100%. it's on your ticket! I 100% agree with you, and a foul ball that comes over the net can still hit you if you're not paying attention. Those people are morons. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about the responsible people that go to these games that literally take a second to talk to the popcorn guy take a second to answer an emergency phone call take a second to just take your eyes off the game and boom you know when my eyes go off the game don't I, I bullshit I've seen you texting during games because I've been there with you don't paint yourself to be something you're not I'm also sitting in the outfield it doesn't where I matter have more time it can still happen it can still happen oh no matter god. where you're sitting it's ridiculous oh my god that's my ugly for the week oh, man <laughs> Jesus Christ guys <laughs> And now,
1: it's time for the two-minute warning. All right. Fred, it is your turn this week, my Woo! friend, for the two-minute warning.
0: I get my blood pressure down here, Scott. You guys need more shots or <laughs> something? Collect, oh Jesus I Christ. collect myself <laughs> sweating here. Fred is worked <laughs> up, man. Jeez. Woo!
1: Oh, man. All right. Oh, ah, man. So it is your turn this this week. Uh, by the way, th- Ryan chiming in round three. <laughs> ding, ding. ding. <laughs> Round three, round four, I can't keep track anymore. Oh, my God. All <laughs> right. You got six topics here, my friend. Some of these you should be able to get through quick. Some of them might take a little longer.
0: If you get through all of them. I will never get through all these, but okay. I'll
1: tell you what. If you get through, Brian, Brian how many does he need to get through? I'm going to say four.
3: Give him four least.
1: Okay. He gets if through four. four. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do a shot. And we'll also afterwards, after the last call, join us because I'm going to do a shot because... I get to finally. I don't think we really fully announced it, but I get it. I have an announcement to make. All right. So, well,
3: this is scary. <laughs> get it loaded up.
0: Hi, right, man. You ready? <laughs> yeah, man. Let's do the damn thing. <laughs> On Sunday in Los Angeles, the NBA held their awards show for the 2018-19 season. Well, the Greek freak Giannis joined Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the second Milwaukee Bucks player to ever win the Most Valuable Player Award. He also becomes the third youngest player to win it in 40 years, right behind Derrick Rose and LeBron James. This kid had an amazing season and deserved it, and even got a little emotional during his speech. Good to see that out of that guy. Ticket prices for the United States quarterfinal match against France at the Women's World Cup are skyrocketing, with one seller listing a pair of tickets for more than $11,000 on May, the secondary market. Maybe Cam
1: should have paid for that.
0: The U.S. was able to beat Spain 2-1 to one on Monday and now will take on the host nation of France on June 28th in Paris. This is looking to be one of the most sought-after tickets in women's sports in recent years. A wrongful death lawsuit no longer lames Tiger Woods in a claim against a South Florida restaurant that carries the golfer's name, Woods' attorneys announced Monday that the estate of a bartender who crashed his car and died after leaving the restaurant in December had voluntarily dismissed Woods as a defendant. But the lawsuit filed last month by the parents of Nicholas Imusenberger is ongoing against both the Woods Jupiter, the name of the restaurant near Woods, South Florida home, and Woods' girlfriend, who serves as the general manager. Wow. This guy can't get out of the news. Jacksonville Jaguars, speaking of staying in the news, cornerback Jalen Ramsey made headlines last year when he criticized several opposing quarterbacks in a published interview. He's not going down that road again, though. Asked by ESPN's Adam Scheffler on his podcast if he wanted to evaluate the quarterbacks he will face in the 2019 season, Ramsey passed and wanted to talk only about Nick Foles, who signed a four-year contract this offseason to become the Jaguars' new starting QB. (sighs) Things just keep getting worse for the NCAA. About 19% of college athletic trainers reported in a recent survey that a coach played an athlete who had been deemed medically out of participation, according to results released Tuesday by the National Athletic Trainers Association, that revealed concerns about college coaches having too much influence in medical decision-making. I got through four and three quarters. Man, you did,
1: buddy. You did. Man, I'll give impressive. it to you, man. Shot, shot, I'll give it to you. Shot,
0: shot, I'll shot, 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 <laughs> oh, oh, man. man.
3: Good job, man. Shoo!
0: Well, before we uh, sign off here, want to take a good second to thank the good people over at Sound United, the parent company of Polk Audio, Definitive Technology, Denon, Marantz, and Classe for sending us these attractive Denon AHD 5200 headphones. Denon makes some of the most popular AV receivers, but man, do they know headphones too! These premium headphones sport ear cups made of real zebra wood, an exotic tone wood used on high-end acoustic guitars. This lends the AHD 5200s a naturally warm, musical sound. You'll find Denon's free-edge drivers under the hood, a shining example of Japanese headphone engineering. Large dynamic drivers are suspended within a baffle system that lowers resonance. The drivers deliver healthy mids, smooth eyes, and tight, potent bass. Just let your ears sink into the plush blended leather padding and enjoy music like never before.
1: Well, that sounds good. This tastes good.
0: hey yo! Shut, shot, shut, shut, shut,
1: Down the <you> hatch. <laughs> we want to remind all of you guys to make sure that you check us out on the website, www.birdlandbs.com. Also, a special shout-out to Matt Skura. Appreciate it, man. man, can't, man can't thank you enough can't for coming on Can't thank you enough for coming on, man. We really appreciate that. This is the guys over at Big Play who help us make that interview possible. show show. Bigplay.com, the Big Play Twitter page, and download the Big Play app. Follow BS on all of our social media accounts at BirdlandBS. You can find us on everything, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Everything is Birdland BS. Fred uh, at FredBLBS, Scott at ScottBLBS, and Brian at ITBlakeBLBS. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe while you're there. Make sure you share everything. If you want to have your opinion or topic heard on the show, make sure you use the hashtag, that's BLBS. As always, be sure to check out the audio podcast as well. Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and any podcast app of your choice. And don't forget, we want to thank you guys for listening in. Thanks for tuning in, as always. We'll be back next Tuesday night with a normal time, 8.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For Fred, myself, and IT Brian, we'll see you guys next week. We'll see you!